when they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. So as many of you know, maybe have heard, things are tougher than usual in Haiti these days. Our friends there in Fondwa, up in the mountains, are safe, as far as we know, from all the political unrest and from the gangs who seem to have overrun so much of life in the neighborhoods and in and around the capital city down in Port-au-Prince. But our friends in Fanwa are still heavy on my mind these days, and this week in particular, as it revolves around so much food and abundance and an invitation to count our blessings. In the last couple of months, there has been a food crisis. Maybe you've heard about that too, even up in the mountains of Fanwa. Even though they're physically safe from and that don't have to interact with all those gangs and the protests and the unrest in the city directly, all of that has impacted their ability to transport food and to get supplies and other necessities up the mountain. Ships haven't been able to port. Gas stations haven't been able to get or to sell their gas. People can't get into and out of the city to move goods and supplies from one place to the next. Because of that, Zami Fanwa has been trying to raise money, not just for houses, like we usually do, but to help with this food crisis. When Luke Nair, who is our director of operations in Fanwa, and also one of the most positive optimistic, hopeful, faithful, humble people I've known says that it is as bad in Fanwa as he's ever seen it. Gets my attention. So I've been thinking a lot the last few days about the fact that our Haitian friends have told us that $40 is enough money to buy a household in Fanwa, enough rice and oil, and maybe some beans if we're lucky, to feed them for a month. And if you've been to Fanwa, you know that a household is a vague term. It could mean anywhere from four to six, or eight to ten, or more 
family members. $40. Rice and oil. A month. The fact that we also chose $40 as the price point for our food pantry Thanksgiving meal ministry then was not lost on me. We gave families who signed up, also regardless of size and number, a turkey, a pie, cans of corn, beans, gravy, rolls, potatoes, stuffing, tea, and more. Like my Thanksgiving meal and yours, the quality and the calories of that single meal is more than my Haitian friends will consume in weeks. I'm not poo-pooing any of it. Both are beautiful expressions of generosity and God's provision. It's all relative, and every bit of it is meaningful. It's just a healthy, holy, faithful dose of perspective for me as I prepare to eat my fair share of gratitude. <laughs> on Thursday, and to count my blessings in the days to come. And tonight, and this week, and every day that we can manage it, is about taking none of this for granted. Because the practice of giving thanks for Christian people, faithful kinds of perspective, I mean, isn't so much about national pride or patriotism. The practice of giving thanks, of counting our blessings, even in the face of sadness and struggle, the practice of acknowledging God's abundance, even in the face of what can feel like scarcity for us and for others, is an act of faith, pure and simple. Gratitude is a Christian discipline that points to God's power and our desire to trust in that power, whether we're feeling blessed or burdened at any given moment. And while having enough to eat isn't a struggle for most of us, you and I might feel more blessed by God's provision or more burdened by its lack, depending on the day. Just in the last couple of days, I have prayed to God and had conversations with many of you about successful surgeries and about sad and scary diagnoses, too. About new and blossoming relationships, and about relationships that are struggling, too. About new life being born and about lives being lost too soon. There are joys and sorrows, challenges and celebrations every which way we look. And in tonight's gospel, what Jesus seems to be inviting those people to, the ones who are chasing him down all around Galilee, is a holy kind of perspective about life and faith in the middle of all of it. He reminds them about how the Israelites were lost too and wandering around in the wilderness, how they were fed with manna that came down from heaven. And he wants them to know that in the same way he's come to feed the world, lost and wandering in our own kind of wilderness still with a different, better, holy kind of bread. It's bread that fills us literally like so much rice for our friends in Haiti. And it's a different kind of bread that fills them and us too with the promise of forgiveness and redemption and hope 
and new life in spite of whatever sins and sadness and struggle any one of us faces from one day to the next. It's no small thing that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, getting ready to be crucified and killed and buried, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave thanks, and then gave it to his disciples. And he did the same thing with that cup, gave thanks, I mean, before sharing the new covenant in his own blood that was about to be poured out for the sake of the world. Even as he looked ahead to the way they would betray and deny him, even as he looked ahead to his own crucifixion, Jesus had faith enough to give thanks, which is how we're called to be today and Thursday and every day, too, as God's people on the planet. To find ways, I mean, to be grateful in the face of whatever comes our way, which is something I've learned from our friends in Fanwa over the years. To give thanks, not just for what we have, but for the truth that God has us. To give thanks not just that God meets our needs, but that God really is our only need. To give thanks not just that we've been blessed in some way, but that God uses us to be a blessing in return. To give thanks not because all is right with our world, but that God is bigger than whatever is wrong. To give thanks not because we're better off than so many others who have it so much worse, but to give thanks that whatever and wherever we are in the grand scheme of things can be enough if we will let it be, by the grace of God. And to give thanks because the discipline of it changes our perspective and it softens our hearts. Gratitude turns darkness to light, scarcity into abundance, sorrow into joy, despair into hope, fear into faith, and so much more because God's love is deep enough for all of us. Amen.